So before I, I um, before I head to my message, this is really part of my message. I want to share my story because um, I want to show you, I want to show you the importance of of being in a mentor and disciple or discipler disciple relationship. And I entitled the message here is "Who is your one?" This is not talking about a loved one like your spouse or boyfriend or someone, or girlfriend. Uh, it is the person that you are responsible for spiritually, meaning meaning someone that you God has called you to 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 encourage to help this person build. You know, your your task is to help this person build up their faith. They're gonna your 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 intention is to help them grow in faith. And who is that person? Who is that one person? I'm just, the challenge is just one here, but you can reach out to more. I know some of you are, are now discipling more than one person. But for those who are not involved in mentoring someone else, if you're a believer, I'm talking to believers here. Uh, if you're not involved in mentoring someone else, encouraging someone else to grow in faith, uh, you need to at least have one. The challenge is for, for you to have at least one. So like, who is your one? So about my own life experience, so I, I became a believer back when I was 16. It was through uh, my high school. So, so, so think, think of, my, uh, of our, my background. I came from a Christian church, grew up in church. I would say the only days maybe we're in church on, on Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, sometimes Thursday. So pretty much I'm in church almost every day of the week. Uh, except Monday and Tuesday, but sometimes I st I'm still in church because we don't have piano in our house, so I have to go to the church to practice piano, even though the piano is so hard, like very difficult, a uh, very heavy keys. It will break your fingers. It's an old piano. It was a joke about that piano because the, buy the person who bought that piano in the church does not know music. He doesn't hear <laughs> play music or listen to me, you know, not interested in music probably, and he's the guy who bought the piano. <laughs> And so it was very difficult, uh, very hard piano. But, but that's my life uh, in church. But, you know, growing up in the church, growing up, growing up with Christian parents, exposed to different kinds of summer camp, youth camp, different kinds of church activity, you know, I was not a believer of Jesus Christ. I was not a Christian. I just did, I just did it because my parents did it. And that's what my, that's what, I grew up in, my parents have been going to church before I was born, so I, I just, I'm just used to it. But I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. I, I read the Bible because I'm afraid to go to hell. That was the reason why I, I really wanted to read. Because there's always this fear, what if I'm going to die? I remember I was 13, 14, like that feeling, that having that kind of feeling. And, and, and so, not until in high school, and, and sadly, growing up in the church for six, before I was 16, so you know, around 16 years, not even a single person in the church shared to me the gospel. Not even one person in the church shared to me the gospel. I don't remember anyone sharing to me the gospel growing up. Until I was 16 years old in high school, you know, in, there's a religion class in our school, and you know, most religion classes in the Philippines are, are usually run by either nuns or uh, uh, some someone, someone, someone who is you know, uh, because the Philippines, of course, is a is a predominantly Catholic nation. So, 
most most uh, leaders, uh, teachers in those schools were nuns, uh, at least in my experience. And so what happened is, you know, us who grew up in a Protestant church, uh, at least we read the Bible, so uh, we know something about the Bible, so we always ask questions during the, the religion class. But eventually, the nun got so uh, annoyed with us, so she, she, he, she kicked us out of the room. And so, so we ended up staying at the, at the corridors during religion. So every, every time we have a religion class, we're just outside because they don't, uh, she doesn't want us inside the room. So, so while outside, this college student, his name was Norman, he came to our campus and, and, and grabbed all this, you know, got all of us and said, hey kids, come over. And the principal, uh, Mrs. Solano, uh, yeah, she was she was our principal then, and, and she she allowed us to do the Bible study in her office, and and this person Norman he was with Compass Crusade for Christ, and he, and he the first thing he shared to us was the four spiritual laws. Among, who among you heard of the four SL? You know, God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life, and it's really a basic presentation of, of the gospel. So 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 there were a few of us kids there. And I was one of those who accepted Christ when the gospel was presented to me. Do you want to surrender your life to Christ? you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you ready to surrender your life? Of course, there's the prayer at the end to accept Jesus. That was the time I, I would say somebody shared to me the gospel, understood the gospel, and accepted Christ. And I remember my classmates, uh, yeah, they were not really very accepting to the message. I, they, they make faces. While our teacher was facing me and teaching, the rest of them could see their faces. They're like <laughs> making fun of him. So I don't know. If, I think I was the only one who accepted gospel, the message, that day. And so that was the beginning of my Christian life. And I started going to different churches because my own church was not really meeting my spiritual needs. I was searching. I wanted answers to my questions. I needed somebody to encourage me in the faith. But I could not find it in my own church. So Wednesdays and Fridays, we'd be going to different churches. I would go with my dad on a Tuesday. He goes to another church on a Tuesday. Then, then we would go to a Friday fellowship with another church. And I've been, I'm done that, I've, we've been doing that for a couple of months because it was my last year in high school. So I had to, after graduation, I had to leave. And I ended up going to a different uh, city in Iligan, did my college there. And upon arriving in Iligan, first thing, because I was already a believer and I, I grew up in church, so first thing I, I need to find is a church. I really wanted to be connected with a church. So I went to my normal church, where my parents, the same church as my parents go to, but it didn't really, uh, really help me a lot. I went to their Bible study and the pastor was smoking while he was doing Bible study. So, so like that. And, and so, okay, this is not the kind of Bible study I want to go to. <laughs> Then, then I went to another church, and that's where I spent for the next spent time for the next three years in college. So it was a big church, three thousand member, probably two thousand, three thousand member church, mega church in Iligan. And I was very active. I was very active there. I started to get involved with the campus ministry. They had a campus ministry. They had a they had a youth ministry. They had choir. I ended up playing keyboards on the youth. Uh, worship. They have a youth worship uh, during the midweek worship, and and you know I was active. I was a new believer, active in everything in ministry, 
I, I tried to plug in myself into whatever opportunity there is in the church. And, and there was a point, at a certain point, Ariel started to, to join me because he already was in college as well. And, and so we were together in college. And we were, both of us were part of this church. Uh, but here's the thing. For those three years I was with that church, I was not growing as a Christian. I was crawling on the ground. You know, I was very active in church. But on my personal life, I don't have devotions. I don't pray. I don't read the Bible. I don't study the Bible. You know, in church, I would sing praise the Lord. I would be crying. I would be doing a lot of, you know, I would be crying in worship. But outside of the church, <laughs> I would be a different person. Like my horn starts to grow once I get out of the church. Back in church again. Wow, praise the Lord. Bible study youth ministry, campus ministry, but after those events, bang, my, my horn started, starts growing again. I was not growing. In fact, my Christian life was like, was like I was crawling on, on mud every day, every day. And I felt in my heart that I, was, I had this image during those three or four years in the church. I felt like I was this nice house that God is building up, building, you know, a very nice house. You know, in the Philippines, there are, Nipa, there are houses called Nipa huts, if you're familiar. It's, it's, a, it's a house on, made of bamboo and, and uh, Nipa leaves, and there, it stands on stilts. The foundation is, are stilts, like sticks, uh, thicker than this. But, and I felt it was like this nice house, but my foundation was so like a twig, like, like, like broomsticks, that if there's a wind that will hit this house, it will collapse. It will collapse. And that's what I felt my Christian life was during that time. So I realized, what, what's missing, Lord? What's missing? I am worldly. I, have, I, have, I, have, I do things that's against your will outside the church. And I was not happy. I was not, I was not joyful in my, in my Christian life. Although I was in church every Sunday, even twice, two services each Sunday. Think about this. I was in church almost every Sunday. Serving in every ministry, praise and worship, whatever. But I was on my Christian life, really, I would say 1%, level 1 or level 2 out of 100. What's going on? Number one, I noticed that the church that I was in, the pastor, he only preaches encouraging message about his own experience, his life, about, you know, about testimonies. He always shares, and people are so excited, they're so happy with the testimonies and the experience, the healings. You know, miracles and things like that. That's the kind of sermon I was hearing in the church. And you know, those kinds of sermons, they don't help you a lot in your spiritual growth. Um, and also, uh, we were, I really wanted supernatural experience. So I would be singing my heart out, crying in sermon, in, my, in the praise and worship. Did you know that how much you say, Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you. It will not help you grow as a Christian. It's not, those are not the kind of things that help me grow. I had a lot of, I was active in different ministries. It didn't help me grow as a Christian. Something was really missing, hugely missing in this entire experience. And after the third year in the church, by accident, I met someone who, was, who, was by, who, came, to our, who came to our church. And, and he, uh, and by coincidence, or I know it was all God's plan, but for me it was, at the moment, was Coincident, coincidental. I happened to be able to sit beside him during one of the we the wedding of one of our older kuyas, older brother in the church. 
And during his wedding, I ended up sitting with this guy, and he was a pastor. And he just introduced himself to me and said, hey, I'll come to my church. Just just drop by. We need a keyboard player because he found out that I can, I can play the piano. So he said, okay. I said, okay, I'm going to come. So I went one afternoon. The service in that big church was in the morning, so his service was just like us, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And he had only 16 members, 16 people in his church. And half of those members were his family. <laughs> his mom, dad, brother, and the other half... Some of the students at our school, our campus, pretty much all the students, uh, uh, all students. And so, you know, that moment when I heard him speak, first time, first sermon ever in my life, that when he started talking, I felt the entire room just darkened. And I only see him, and I only, the sermon was just like hitting me. Like, it was like, imagine a fire hose that was being, uh, that's what I felt the whole time. Like, I was like holding my breath the whole time he was preaching for one hour. I think it was more than an hour. And I was so, I was so amazed, fixated at the message that everything else around me just turned dark. That, that's what my, that was, I, that, I felt that, same, that kind of feeling during the sermon. I don't even know what the sermon, I don't even remember what the sermon was all about. But that's what, I, that's what I felt. It made a huge, huge impact in my life. And, and Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I went there afternoons, and it's the same number of people. <laughs> and the keyboard player during the worship, it was always out of tune because the, the player was a, was a jazz player, and he's trying to play all the kinds of worship thong, songs with, j, with jazz something, something, and, and it wasn't doing well. <laughs> but, but, you know, the message was so amazing. And, and, and this person eventually visited our apartment where I live. Ariel and I, we live in a, we, together with two other brothers. He came and, and I saw him try to enter the apartment. I was coming from school. I saw him on his way to our apartment. I said, I told my friend, that let's, let's, go, let's, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> I was trying to avoid him, this pastor, trying to run away from him. But I think what at, at at a certain point, he caught me. <laughs> and so, so that began a relationship with him. And, you know, he became, I would say, my very first spiritual mentor. We would spend day, day after day, you know, he explained to me the Bible, informal discussion. We, we, I usually go to his house, and sometimes we would spend time from 9 in the evening up to 3 in the morning talking about the Bible. Talking about different books, Tozer, A.W. Tozer. We talk about A.W. Tozer's books and other, other books about Christian books. And, and talk about different, a lot of things about Christian life. And we, I did it regularly with him. And not just me, a few other uh, young men during the time. And, you know, spending time with him under his uh, leadership, men, being my mentor, uh, being my discipler, my Christian life from crawling in the mud I didn't really know what it means to follow Jesus all those years. I was in church, active in church, do praise and worship, but I didn't know what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means, what church is, what the Bible is all about. You know, back then, I only memorized certain verses of Bible, of Scripture. I memorized, I can do all things to Christ who gives me strength. Or I would say, oh, oh all things work together for good. I know those verses very well, but it didn't help me. It didn't help me. What's missing? Be 
Because here's the problem. A lot of people, they're good at memorizing verses, but they don't know how to obey those passages. And they don't know the whole counsel of God. What I've learned from this, from this pastor is that I need to understand the whole thing. Not just one, two, three verses from this. I need to understand the whole Bible. What is really the Bible all about? Not just picking one verse here. Oh, that's a nice verse. Oh, that's a nice verse. That's why you notice in Facebook, there's a lot of people sharing passages of Scripture. But why are they not so effective? If there's a lot of verses being shared in Facebook, verses in Facebook, there should be a lot of conversions going on around, around the world now. There should be a lot of Christians, you know, coming to Christ around the world now. If there's a lot of sharing, sharing passages in, 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 in social media. But why is, not, why is it not so effective? Because it doesn't give you the whole counsel of God, the whole message of God. And that's what I learned. And, and also I thought before that I will grow in my Christian life if I, if I kept on asking God, God bless me, God bless me. God help me. I claim this blessing. I claim that I will be powerful against sin. I rebuke Satan. I thought it helps. It didn't. Because what I found out also many Christians, they're so good in claiming, claiming stuff. But they're not good in obeying God. You know, did you know that when you say, I am strong in Christ, I am, you know all these songs that you sing, that be, str I'll be strong, I am, I am, I have, I, I can do all things, you know, we, we make declarations in the songs we sing. But why is it not changing you? You know this? Why are those songs not effectively changing your heart? Because it is not in declaring that you are strong in the Lord that makes you allows maturity in your life that makes you mature as a Christian. It's not by saying that I am I'm a child of God. I can do all things to Christ. Those are not the kind of this declaring it does not bring maturity in your life. Unfortunately there are many that's what I experienced in this previous church that I, I've been to. The difference when I started going, uh, having time with my discipler, with this pastor, he taught me how to obey the word of God. That as I read, as I study, oh, this is what the Lord wants me to do. Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to spend time with you every morning. I'm going to pray every morning. Jesus prayed every morning before the sun rises. That's the very first thing I learned. Wake up at 6 in the morning and start reading my Bible and, and meditating on one or two verses. And one time in the morning, I read a passage that says, I, I really disliked my cousin because he was living with Ariel and I in our con apartment. And, and he was doing a lot of bad things. And I said, so Lord, I don't, want to have, I don't want anything to do with my cousin. Then right there and then, I read a passage that says, if you don't care for your own relatives, you are an unbeliever. I said, okay, Lord. <laughs> and I'm seeing this more and more each day. Like, like what's going on in my day and I read the Bible. Oh, <laughs> this is what the Bible says. And I'm seeing the Bible come to real and, and, and God is speaking to me and telling me what sh should I do for the day. And so that made a difference in my Christian life. It's not saying I can do all things to Christ. It is really doing things for Christ. Making the choice to obey him. That's why, here's the thing. That's why even if you join camp, join those activities, and you're on a spiritual high, you're not actually strong in the Lord. Did you know that when you're spiritually high, does not necessarily mean you have a strong faith. In fact, sometimes even those spiritual high moments, you are the weakest spiritually. 
Because I've been to those many experiences. I've been to camps and activities, and I'm so, wow, praise the Lord, I'm so happy. But after the moment, when temptation happens, I just crash and burn right away without even thinking. A little temptation, yeah, okay. I'm going to I'm going to obey your temptation. I'm going to do it. <laughs> without even having second thoughts. And I was wondering how come Lord? I'm so high. I sing around and worship you, jump around, but as I leave the church, bang. Sin. Those kinds of That's why you notice if you've been a Christian for a while, if you've been to conferences and camp, did you notice that they don't have a lasting impact? They bring, maybe you got saved there, you accepted Christ as your Savior, but the high and the strength that you experience there doesn't last long. And I've been to those things for many times. Even pastors' conferences that I go to, you're so excited there, I'm going to do this. Yes, yes, yes. This is a good thing. A few days after the conference, when you go home, like, what did I do there? <laughs> what, should I, what should I be doing? <laughs> you know, and the, the, the desire, the emotion, just what lasts longer and what lasts uh, for a long time in our Christian life is, is really reading the word, knowing the word of God, choosing to, make, to obey his word on a day-to-day -day basis. But secondly, an important, an important factor in my own experience, and I hope you agree with me in this, is having someone to walk alongside of you, to help you in your Christian walk. And that pastor who came to my life to become my disciple or mentor, I would say he was the person God used to turn around my Christian life. From crawling on mud... I felt I was soaring. I was soaring. And, and so if you go back, to, if you read the book of Timothy, Josh just, 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 uh, just read this passage. And I'm going to go through this uh, for the rest of this time. I shared to you my testimony so that to show you the importance of being in a discipleship relationship with someone. Being, having a mentor or you mentoring someone else because they will have a huge impact. Oh, this mentor is, gonna ha is going to have a huge impact in your Christian, Christian life, in your Christian uh, being a follower of Christ. And you yourself, if you mentor someone, you will have a huge impact in this person's life that you're mentoring. Just think about this. That pastor I met, you know, that was already many years ago. If you know my age already, that's been a long time already. Even until today, his, what he did decades ago is still impacting me. Even the way I preach probably came from influenced by him. Even the way we do ministry today was influenced by his, what he did. And you're going to have that same kind of influence when you begin to mentor someone else. You know, in 1 Timothy 1, verse 1, Paul said... That Timothy, old Timothy, in verse chapter 1, verse 2, he said, Timothy, my true son in the faith. He called Timothy his true son in the faith. And, and so Paul himself understood this situation. Let me, let me go back there first. 
Paul understood this situation that, that he himself, Apostle Paul, he also had his own one. He's, he's, he has his, this person that he chose to mentor and spend his time with, invest his life in. No, Timothy was Paul's one. The person that he invested his life in. You know, uh, just to give you a background on Timothy, Timothy probably became a believer during Paul's first missionary journey together with his mother and his grandmother. Uh, because, you know, the, the mother and the grandmother mother were mentioned in, is mentioned in, 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 in the letters of Paul as well. And they're believers. And during Paul's second missionary journey, Paul again went to Lystra. The first time Paul went to Lystra, it was probably the time when Timothy accepted Christ. The second time Paul went to Lystra, during the second missionary journey with Silas, that was the time uh, Paul took in Timothy and said, Timothy, you're going to be part of my missionary journey. And I would just imagine the dialogue. And, and Paul uh, committed to disciple Timothy, to, to mentor this young man, Timothy. And so Timothy eventually uh, became part of the, of the team, the, uh, Paul's missionary team. And that's why Paul says he is his true son, in the faith. And I would say in my own life, I would say pastor, that pastor that mentored me, he is my father in the faith. Although he's, he was only by back then. I'm trying to recall how old he was. He was probably only around maybe 10 years or 12 years older than me. He was only 10 or 12 years older than me. I'm not sure exactly, but around that, you know, but I considered him my father in the faith. And just like Paul with Timothy here, son, of, son in faith. And, and, and so you see this relationship between Paul and Timothy that throughout the lifetime of, you know, throughout the rest of the life of Paul, they had a very close relationship that, in fact, the last letter right before the death of the Apostle Paul, to whom did Paul wrote? Before, right before his execution, he wrote to Timothy, right before Paul died. That is the letter of Second Timothy. And you can feel the emotion of Paul there because he knew he was about to be executed. You feel the emotion when you read Second Timothy. And he wrote it to Timothy. And Timothy, by this time, he was already a pastor. So think about this young man. When Paul met in Lystra, he was probably, I don't know how old, how old he was back then. Probably in his, we don't know, maybe teens or, or 20s or even 30s. We don't know, but he was young. And Paul is way up there already in age. And, and, and Paul took this young man. And now years later, when he wrote 2 Timothy, when Paul wrote 2 Timothy Paul was already pastoring a church. So think about the training, the, 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 the things that Paul did in the life of Timothy, that now he was able to pastor a church, and it is the church of, you, remember, you know the church where Timothy pastored? Guess. Which church Timothy pastored? Exactly, Ephesus. The church of Ephesus, Ephesian. Ephesian's church. Ephesian church. And so... This is, this, is, this is my sort of marketing <laughs> word for you that, that I want you to be committed to the task of making disciples. 
Because it's going to have a huge impact in your life as a discipler and in the person you're discipling. I probably would not be standing here without that pastor mentoring me many years ago. I would probably still be crawling in the mud as a believer. Don't understand the Bible and didn't understand or, or, or not, not being able to understand the word of God. So let's go back to that passage that, that uh, Josh read earlier. First thing I want you to get from that passage that Josh read earlier in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, I promise I'm going to get a bigger pulpit because this is, <laughs> this is very challenging. I'm not going to use you anymore. It's, it's, it's very small. 2 Timothy chapter 2.1. This is, this is what Paul wrote to Timothy. You know, this was around the time before he was about to be executed, Apostle Paul. He said, you then, my son, be strong in the grace of God. 2 Timothy 2. Oh, it's, it's, okay, Jimmy, thank you, thank you. Uh, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus that the things you have heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a good soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. I remember Renel and Faith and Carlo did a sermon on this. Uh, uh, not exactly this passage, but similar themes. You know, being a soldier, athlete, farmer uh, kind of thing in the Christian life. But the first thing I want you to see in this passage is that when it comes to discipleship, just like the first statement here, uh, based on the first statement, is that it is a Christ-empowered relationship or Christ-empowered friendship. Meaning, when you disciple someone, when you mentor someone, there is this relationship, friendship that's being developed. You don't just meet someone for the sake of teaching the person, you know, the Word of God. It goes beyond that because, you know, it's not in the best interest for you and the, and the person that you, you're discipling, that you're just going share to the, share the message, then, then leave. When you teach, it is in the context of, a, of relationship, of friendship. The way Jesus related with his disciples, that's, that's why if you go read the first passage, he said, you then my son. You then my son. Paul treated Timothy, his disciple, as his son. Love him as his son. And so when you're in this discipling relationship, you cannot disciple someone if you don't love that person you're discipling. If you're not ready to love the person you're discipling, then you're not fit for that kind of task. It's not an impersonal thing. There's relationship in there. There's friendship in there. That you, you really genuinely care for that person. And you know, that's what I felt when pastor, the pastor they started discipling me. I, I knew that he cared for me. I knew that he really cared for me. He cared for my spiritual condition. <laughs> and and I, I, you know, for me, I have this tendency to, to back then, even back then, to say a lot of things, you know. 
you know, I, I, I talked, I knew a lot of things, so I started talking, 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 and I, I know he was just silent the whole time. <laughs> and he knew that, I can imagine his thinking, you don't know anything yet. <laughs> you think you know a lot of things. Now I realize, yeah, <laughs> I didn't really know much. I thought I knew a lot of things. But he was just silent. He was very patient with me because I, I think I was so arrogant in what I know, maybe. <laughs> but uh, I remember, Rella probably remembers this, one of our leaders when, I was, when we moved to Idaho, uh, we went to this Bible study and the older leader, you know, he was very good. Bible teacher, we were part of this Bible study, home, like a life group. And during my birthday, the book he gave me was Humility. <laughs> and I was asking Rella, uh, Rella uh, I was asking, why did he give me this book? <laughs> um, and so there is this relationship, Cole called him his son. So in the same way with you, you know, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and think about this, you are responsible for your brothers and sisters. If you are an older Christian, not in age, but in terms of, you know, years that you've been a Christian, there are new Christians that need your encouragement. You have a responsibility towards them. The new believers in our church, the non-believers that are out there, you have a responsibility towards them. And if for me, maybe for some of you, for the youth, for instance, between me, I could be a father to you in the faith. And, 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 and some of you could be parents, father or mothers in the faith to someone much younger or an older brother or sister in the faith. You know, in John chapter 13, if you remember this, Jesus said that we are to wash one another's feet. You know, a lot of people, they misinterpret this passage in thinking that you have to really physically wash someone's feet. You know, every Holy Week, we see this ceremony where they're washing people's feet. There's no practical reason for us to do that today. Why? Well, there's no practical reason for washing one another's feet. Is there a practical reason today? No, nope, none. Why? Because we're all wearing shoes. Back then, they were wearing sandals, and the roads were dusty, so they have to wear they have to wash people's feet as they enter the house because their their feet is muddy. But today, we're all wearing socks and shoes, so it's Jesus is not talking about physical washing here. If you read the two verses that's in on on, on my notes, just read it on your own. In John chapter fifteen. What washes us? What cleanses us as Christians? It is the word of God. And in Ephesians, we are told that we are being washed, cleansed by the word of God. So when Jesus told the disciples that you are to wash one another's feet, he's actually saying is that you need to teach God's word to one another. That is the meaning of washing one another's feet. It's not physically, I know some people will say, oh, it's about serving one another, you know, giving money to the poor or something. That is not what this passage is talking about. It's not even talking about helping someone else with their problems. There's a very specific, specific message. You cannot generalize this. That's the problem with many of, that's, that's the situation I was in before. It's very easy for us to, give some explanation to a passage but the problem is some of those explanations are not there because when Jesus spoke these words and there are the passages in scriptures their meanings 
and their interpretation is very specific. It's like laser. You cannot just say, oh, oh, this is about serving one another, trying to be good to someone, or trying to care for the poor. That is not what Jesus is saying here. Because he said this one time, Jesus said, before this passage, he said, you are all clean because all of you already took a bath. Remember that? He said that? All of you already took a bath. He's talking about taking a bath. And he said, all of you are clean. All of you have taken a bath except one of you. Meaning, lahat kayo naligo, pero isa sa inyo, hindi naligo. Hindi naligo. I know it's funnier to hear in Tagalog. You know, why did you do, you didn't laugh when I said it in English. Tagalog, no? So, all of you have taken a bath, but one of you, no. Who was that one person who didn't take a bath? It's Judas. Was Jesus talking about physically taking a bath? If there's someone there who took a bath that morning, it was Judas. You know why? Because he comes from the city. He's a city boy. He's from Judea. Itong mga sila, Peter, they're provinciano. They're from, they're from Galilee. I'm not saying mga provinciano hindi naliligo, ha? Pero I, I, I could imagine Judas living in the city. He had a shower. He had toilet that you can flush. In the provinces, you have to pour water. You have to give ka pa ng tubig from some other river or somewhere. Hindi na lang maligo. Judas had shower. So he could probably, he was probably the guy who took a bath. But Jesus said, this Judas didn't take a bath. He was talking about salvation. That it, the, the, the 11, when Jesus preached the gospel to the 11, when shared the gospel to the 11, the 11 accepted the gospel message, accepted the word of God. But Judas did not. That's why it's very clear that Judas is not saved and he's in hell right now. No doubt about it. Because he did not accept Jesus' message to begin with. So, it is teaching the word of God. And this is your responsibility. You are responsible. to. Each of us is responsible to do this. With our fellow brothers and sisters in the church. And some people outside. So, so But you do it in the context of friendship and relationship. Now, in the next passage, uh, it says here in, um, in verse 2 of chapter 2 in 2 Timothy. And the things that you have heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Okay, let me, let me give an illustration for this. Just, it's, it should be on your, by the way, there's uh, blanks on your program, so try to answer as I go. I'm sorry, I'm moving quickly because my time is running out. When you look at this passage in verse 2, it talks about four generations of Christians. Paul was the first generation on that list, followed by Timothy, followed by faithful men, followed by others. You see four generations of Christians, so you can list down the four generations there. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and others. You know, over the years, this is why, let me explain to you now, why the church has failed. Why churches are failing like my experience with that big church for 3,000 members, why it failed to help me in my Christian walk. Why churches in general are failing in terms of helping people really grow in Christ. Because here's the thing, let me be honest with all of you about this. 
many of you probably been in church for a long time. Who among you has been a Christian for a long time? Okay? Some of you, very new. Now, let me ask you, has the church been effective in helping you become a healthy believer, growing believer? Yes, some of you might say yes. Now, let me give you an honest self-assessment. Are you having your devotions every day? Spending time with the Word? Meditating on His Word every day? Okay, good. So that you're healthy then. Not yet. Do you personally study the Bible every day? Bible study. I'm not talking about reading the Bible. I'm not talking about reading the Bible. That's, that's different. Study the Word of God. Word of God. Study the Word of God. Do you study the Word of God daily or at least on a regular basis? Some of you might say yes. Do you share your faith? Do you share your faith on a regular basis? Now, this is where we begin to fall off. Are you faithful in fellowshipping with other Christians? Not just sitting in this church. I'm talking about loving other believers, mentoring other believers, doing discipleship. A lot of people start to fall off here. Is there someone you're mentoring right now? At least one person. How, how, how many of you are able to raise your hand and saying, I'm mentoring someone right now? There's probably only a few of you who's able to say that, but I know some of you do. If you're not at this point, you're not healthy. You're not yet at the point of really saying that I'm growing and I'm being healthy because we are not being obedient to all the things that God has commanded us. Meaning, if you've been a Christian for, your, for a long time, you should see these things happening in your life by now. This is, these are evidences that you are healthy and you're growing. But if you're not faithful in your quiet time and you're still faltering there, I'm not saying that this is, this is something, this will save you. This is not going to save you. These are things that Jesus requires us to do. But these are evidence for good health in the Christian life. That you're actively sharing your faith. That you are faithful in the word of God. You're faithful in prayer. That you're beginning to reach out to other people and share your faith. It's evidence of good health in the Christian life. Because if you're not doing that, then there's something that's missing in your life. Something that still needs to be, to be, to be addressed. There might be a sin that you're still dealing with. And sin is one of the biggest things that prevents you from doing any of this. So if you're not sharing your faith, that's one evidence that something needs to be addressed. You're not in good health as a Christian. Honestly, you're not going to be in good health as a Christian if you're not sharing your faith. And so, for us to be healthy as a Christian, we need this. We need someone like a Paul who will care for you and a Timothy as well. You know, we need this. Because sitting down here and listening to me every Sunday is not enough. That's what happened to me. I just relied on Sunday to feed me. I just wait for Sunday that maybe when Sunday comes, I will be recharged. I will be excited once again. I thought that I'm, I'm just waiting for Sunday to give me a recharge. But what discipleship tells us that when God teaches us to spend time with him every day, Spend time in His presence daily. You can be recharged on a day-to-day -day basis. And I learned that from discipleship. Someone helping me do my devotion, teaching me how to do my devotion, teaching me how to pray, teaching me how to read the Bible, how to study the Bible, teaching me to love other believers. There's so much things that 
we are supposed to be doing that we're not doing. And it's learned through discipleship. So this is what Paul did. He, that this is how the faith was being passed on. You know, the teaching was being passed on from Paul to Timothy. Then now Timothy has to disciple faithful men. Then Paul is saying that eventually those faithful men is going to disciple others. And this is where the church failed because this is not happening in churches. You know what's going on in churches every Sunday? Someone stands in front like this and everyone listens to that one person. Is this hap what ha what's happening in many churches today? Yes. Yeah. Is this how God wants us to propagate the Christian faith? Not exactly. This is one way, but not the entire picture. Did you know how Jesus command what Jesus told us in Matthew 28? How do you propagate the Christian faith? How do you spread the Christian faith? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything they commanded you. And how is discipleship happening in the Bible? Through someone preaching like this and everyone listening? No. This is not discipleship, by the way. This is called preaching. This is not, this is not discipleship. This is preaching. This is discipleship. This is what discipleship is. We don't, we don't want to confuse that. Preaching is different than discipleship. It is mentoring someone, caring for someone, helping that person grow in the faith. And lastly, on the last part, I don't have to read the passage anymore, but you can read it on your own. We are encouraged to live for Christ. So, so we are being told that from this passage that we are to have a relationship with someone, care for that person, love that person, be the spiritual father or mother to the person, a spiritual brother or sister, older brother or sister person, then we are told in the scripture that we are to pass on the teachings of Christ. Just like this image here, it's basically the passing on of the teachings of Christ from one Christian, uh, generation, Christian generation to another. This needs to happen in our church. That's why we have our discipleship ministry in our church. And lastly, we are encouraged to live for Christ. One is to live like a soldier for Christ. Soldier that's ready to use the weapon of warfare, which is the word of God. I, don't, I will not spend time on this anymore a lot. Uh, not, not, not to spend time on this. Athlete, that we are going to be disciplined. And, and we are not civilians anymore. Talking about the soldier earlier, we're not civilians anymore. That we are to live lives that's different from the world. Athlete that's disciplined and a hardworking farmer, meaning you are serving God, sharing the word of God, you know, doing ministry in the hope that you will reap a harvest. Harvest of souls, harvest of the lives of people. So, so, so this is what Paul is saying in this passage that the first, we are to have a relationship with someone who is going to be our disciple. Then we are to teach the word of God and encourage that person to live for Christ. Live for Christ. And so this is what we do in the church. So if you look at those paper at your table, in closing, I, I just wanted you to focus on those, that, that pieces of paper, I, we, it's on your table. And let me just grab and copy. Um, 
I, I just, I don't have, I, there's a limited copy there, but if you want more, I can give, give it to you. But uh, th th we put this thing on, on the table as well. It lists, so this is what we want to do as a church, because we want to obey, obey the word of God. So there are three major focus for our church. One is our worship service. So basically, the, sun, the thing we do on Sunday is just one of the three big things in our church. All three is of equal importance in our church. Let me say this again. All these three are of equal importance in the church. Number one, we have our Sunday worship service. You know, Jesus preached the word. So, so basically, this is what we do on Sunday. We preach the word. Uh, Jesus taught the word of God. Uh, that's with a few people. And that is what we do in our life groups. And, and third, Jesus trained people like Peter. And that's what we do in our one-on-one -on -one discipleship. So, so this is what this is the pattern for our ministry, and we want to do this. We want to obey God and in doing this, because if we're not gonna do this, we're no, I'm gonna be in that we're gonna be in that situation I was in many years ago, that I was in church, but I was not growing, and I don't want this to happen to our youths as well. I don't want this to happen to our youths that you're in church here, sitting here every Sunday, maybe just because your parents are here, but what if? You're already in college. You're out of the house already. Are you still going to continue? God knows that. I don't know that. But we want our church to be, able to, to be able to take care of that so that when you leave the church later on, maybe you go somewhere else, somewhere else later on, you're still going to be faithful. You're still going to be strong believers in the Lord. And this is our desire that through these ministries, that through the Sunday ministry, we are able to worship, pray, fellowship, that we are able to listen to the word of God preach, that we are equipped through the teaching. We will have Sunday school classes. We have adult Sunday school classes, which we're going to start doing soon um, to train you. But we also have our life group. In the life group, we are where we, where we can, that's where we study the word of God. That's where the word of God is taught in the life group. And where we can ask questions, interact, discuss, it is through the life group that we can have some kind of relationship with one another, knowing one another, being friends with one another. And I'm seeing this in the life group. The people are, are, are building, becoming close friends through the life group. And that's the, that's the plan. That's the goal there. And maybe in the future, each life group will do outreach ministries. So encourage you to be part of a life group uh, because that's where we grow in terms of our relationship with one another and, 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 and be able to discuss things. But lastly, but not the least, is our discipleship, one-on-one -on -one ministry. And for me, this made the most significant impact in my life, having someone mentor me in the Christian faith. And this is what we do as a church. There are people in our church who are already, uh, who went through Disciple Maker, and they're willing to mentor someone else uh, who has been Christians for a while, and they're willing to mentor someone else. So one-on-one so -on -one discipleship is where, where you're going to meet with your mentor one-on-one, -on -one, maybe once a week or once every two weeks. Uh, <clears throat> and also learn how to meditate on the Word of God. Learn to share the gospel. Learn to do your quiet time. Those are basic stuff in the Christian life. Basic, basic stuff. Learn to pray according to God's will. Those are some things we need to learn as believers. Surprisingly, a lot of Christians who say they're Christians, they actually don't know how, there's many who don't know how to pray. Many don't even know what the gospel is. 
If you ask someone what is the gospel, normally what they'll, what they'll, what they'll answer is to say, oh, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> or some will say, oh, it's the Bible. That's usually that's what they say what the gospel is. Or the Bible is the gospel. And that's, that's not exactly what the gospel message is. You need to know what the gospel, what it really is. And so that's what your mentor is, or his role. And as a church, the thing that we're trying to accomplish, our goal is to obey the great commission and the great commandment. To love one another, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. To love one another the way Christ loves us. And to go and make disciples. Pretty much that's our, I would say that's our motto, maybe vision statement as a church. The great commandment and the great commission. So, let us pray. Let us pray. Um, ask God's blessing. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us, Lord, through the word in Second Timothy, Lord. Lord, I pray that as a church, oh God, we will truly do the work of making disciples, Lord. If someone approaches us, give us a willing heart. And if we desire to be, to be mentored by someone else, Lord, give us the, 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 the courage, oh God, to talk to someone. If we are already a growing Christian, a maturing Christian, and, and God is, has, we are, we're at the point where we can mentor someone, Lord, give us also that desire to obey you, Lord God. Because, Lord, if we are not committing ourselves to discipleship, Lord, if we're not willing to do this, we are being disobedient, Lord. We are being disobedient, Lord God, to your final command, Lord. And this is where, Lord God, in my own experience, Lord, that the church I've been to, Lord God, has failed to do, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, that uh, through this pastor, Lord God, that I met, Lord God, by chance, Lord, but it was part of your will. It was through his mentorship that helped me grow in the faith, Lord. That really helped me understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that there will be someone in their life also, Lord, who will be the one who will encourage them, teach the word, encourage them to live like the way Christ wants them to live, and love them with all their heart. Love them as a brother, as a son or daughter in the faith, or as a sister in the faith, Lord God. Oh, God, put this burden in our heart, Lord. Put this burden in our heart. This is what we want to do as a church, Lord God. This is most important work in our church, oh God. And Lord, we don't want to be in this church for many, many years and still remain the same as a Christian, not growing stagnant. We don't want that to happen, Lord, in this church. Our desire, Lord, that you will bless our church, that everyone, Lord, is growing in their faith, taking their, their spiritual life is taking off like a rocket ship, Lord. Now, we're not crawling in the mud for many, many years, Lord. It's like what happened to me, Lord. We are taking off in our Christian life, growing, maturing, getting bolder each day and sharing our faith, Lord God, gaining wisdom from your word, Lord. Obeying your word more and more and more each day.
being spending time with the master maybe before we were spending time only 15 minutes now we're spending one hour with Jesus every day I pray that all of you come to that point where you spend time with Jesus at least one hour each day I pray also that you will spend time in prayer each day, faithfully, praying for the church, praying for the brothers and sisters, praying for the world, praying for those who are lost, praying for the missions that's going on around the world, praying for those who are in need, and even praying for yourself and your family. There are many, many things to pray for. The one hour is not even enough as well. That we are faithful in our fellowship, that we love one another every Sunday, love one another in our in our life groups, that through this setting, we get to know one another and help us, Lord. Help us to truly love one another, one another, Lord. Let this be. The, let us be the church that is that that you have ordained, oh God, from the beginning, Lord. From the beginning, the church that's that's that that you have shown to us in in your book, in the Bible, Lord God. The kind of church that doing the task of discipleship. Lord.